0: listeners this is economically yours a financial podcast co-hosted by yours truly charmisha
1: and i darshan joshi
0: this podcast is divided into four segments
1: but united by the drive to create awareness about the economy and the financial markets Welcome to the first segment of Economically Yours. It's called Khabar Pakiye. Here we'll be giving you a brief of what's happening in the financial markets and the economy in general for your better understanding and growth. So listeners, over the last week, the news have come in that India lost pathetically to Australia, bundling out for just 36 runs. And it seems that they have yet again surrendered themselves in a completely different field in the U.S. Yes, the U.S. Treasury Department has labeled India and other, cur- other countries like China, Japan and Korea as currency manipulators. Asan Bhasha mein bolut, to Switzerland and Vietnam ki central banks ko chor kar I might sound rude over here, but that's what the country is up to. A country is termed as a currency manipulator when the central bank continuously intervenes in the foreign exchange markets with continuous selling of domestic currency and purchasing of US dollars. The country has set out three parameters for manipulation and they are trade surplus of more than 20 billion dollars with US, secondly a current account surplus which is equivalent to 2% of GDP and lastly purchasing a foreign currency which also should be equal to 2% of GDP. India did violate the first and the last parameters where India has had a trade surplus of more than $22 billion until June 2020 and foreign exchange purchases of $64 billion or which is equivalent to 2.4% of the GDP. India was in this manipulator list until 2019 and it will stay for two consecutive reports on the other hand, news have come in that RBI will continuously keep purchasing US dollars because Indian captain Virat Kohli. So they'll keep purchasing US dollars to prevent rupee from losing export competitiveness and also keeping the consumer price index in check. Lastly, I would just say, thoda banking, banking, sadda banking manipulation.
0: Uh, Thank you, Darshan, for that. I'll move on to the next news for the segment, which is the bits for DHFL that's coming in. Uh, Now, DHFL was the first NBFC to undergo insolvency resolution when the RBI filed an application for initiation of insolvency against DHFL in November last year. This was triggered after reports of funds mismanagement at the company surfaced. The NBFC, which is undergoing a corporate insolvency resolution process, had its suitor submitting fresh bids for the company. After receiving multiple offers from Adani Group, Piramal Group, and Oaktree, the lenders to DHFL will evaluate each bid before selecting a formidable candidate for the cash-strapped financial institution. Of course, we all need something or the other to create a lag in this the committee of creditors will look into intricate details of each bid now pyramal groups upfront ca- cash offer of rupees 12700 crores is the highest among the three bidders pyramal group further plans to infuse rupees 10000 crores of equity via a merger of pyramal's financial services company with dhfl of course milan melap to hona moving on Oaktree has pledged an upfront payment of Rs. 11,700 crores, along with a rider stating that they will reprice the deal or pull it out completely if things don't materialize by 31st March 2021. If acquired by Oaktree, DHFL should sell senior debt papers worth Rs. 21,000 crores to its lenders with a 36-month moratorium. I think moratorium has become the word of the year for India apart from pandemic. Oaktree proposes to hold the insurance arm of DHFL until it's sold, which is currently held by the Prudential International Insurance Holdings Limited. DHFL's wholesale loans worth rupees 40,000 crores, retail loans worth rupees 17,000 crores, and the liquid loans worth rupees 10,000 crores are outstanding. Hence, we can safely conclude that the mortgage lender is in a bit of a complicated relationship with a couple of its suitors. What's exciting to see is that Adani Group has bid to buy all the assets of DHFL for a whooping 31,000 crores. Of course, it's going to be tough for the examiners to decide on which student to pass, but let's wait and watch. Thank you. Over to you, Darshan.
1: Thank you so much, Charmi. As we know that uh, cricket is a religion in India. So when Sachin is that mutual funds are right, then it is right. And if you do not believe that statement, please hear me out for the next news. The mutual fund industry is about to cross 50 lakh crore assets under management by 2025. And secondly, the mutual fund industry has also received top grade rating for robust disclosure practices. Uh, we know that investors are currently scared about their investments and uh, the mutual fund industry is a safe haven for them. Several factors have come into play such as uh, demo- India's uh, changing demographics, a rising per capita income and an inflation targeting regime. Last, we are to lose all the equities in equities. So the equities market is also going to rise by 5% to make the whole pie change to 47% uh, investments. Secondly, um, a global investor experience report by Morningstar has given India top grade rating for disclosures of various information by mutual funds. The information about funds such as fees and transparency of fund holdings, best practices for manager names, fund ownership and compensation. India has definitely set a benchmark with the disclosure practices and they have also changed a few norms such as since October 2020, the funds have to disclose information every fortnight and also within five days of each fortnight. Lastly, Australia has received bottom grade rating among the 26 markets that have been uh, surveyed over here. So that is a good news. So, I'll that is good, but no Over to you, Charmi, for some chawkane news.
0: Thank you, Darshan. Um, moving on to the last news of our segment. So, uh, while the US lawmakers finally got a new stimulus after beating around the bush for months, the UK had a gloomy news to deliver to the world a more infectious strain of COVID-19 is spreading in the country. Yeah, just when you thought 2021 is going to be your year, this had to come. The government of UK imposed a strict lockdown in parts of London and Southeast England that will continue through the holidays. Many countries, including India, have suspended all flights from and to the UK at least till 31st December to prevent the strain from spreading in their own countries. A key question to ask here would be, what if it's already made its way into our country? While the new strain is considered to be 70% more infectious, the good news is that it does not appear to be any different from the earlier strain in terms of the illness it causes. That means that the vaccination programs that are being rolled out in the developed market phases will be capable of protecting the most vulnerable population and then the remaining ones once vaccination is complete. Back home, domestic investors are riding on similar hopes with India's vaccination program set out to be rolled in early 2021. A new strain is likely to make them look over their shoulders a bit nervously, and this nervousness was very evident when the huge correction was seen in equity markets recently. Some investors would see this as correction as a welcome development as markets were overheated. But will the correction continue? It's hard to say, but it's imperative to understand what are the likely scenarios for the vaccine rollout and what impact could that have on businesses and investors. Till then, we hope that as you bid farewell to 2020, let's not begin 2021 hoping that to end soon. Thank you. Moving on to the second segment, which is Aaj Ke Mark Darshak. Today, we have with us Ms. Lakshmi Ayer, who is the President and Chief Investment Officer of Fixed Income and Head of Products at Kotak Mahindra Asset Management Company. She's currently overseeing fixed income onshore assets of over $16 billion and also looks at offshore assets under advisory. She has done several roadshows across Asia and has also gained recognition for the same over the years across fixed income schemes. She's also been recognized as one of the top 25 most influential women in asset management in Asia by Asian investors. Uh, so ma'am, instead of me, you know, I can just go on and on talking about you and your achievements. Uh, just take us through your background and why Why don't you let the listeners f- know themselves?
2: So you explained it all, Charmi. Uh, so I don't have much to add. Yes, yes. Uh, Uh, I do manage uh, money and most importantly, the trust for uh, millions of investors across the country um, and um, across the globe. We do have offshore investors also who have found favor with Indian fixed income. And uh, it's like, um, uh, while they say life is a roller coaster, I would say market is a constant treadmill. So you are continuously at it trying to um, grab the nuances of the market, make sense out of it. And that's how I am productively employed.
1: That's great. And uh, where do you see yourself like uh, going forward with the current market situation?
2: I see myself, I'm a diehard uh, <clears throat> market fan. So obviously, uh, I think uh, it's very difficult to de-link uh, markets from me if it's got into my blood. And uh, this is a good addiction to have, I would believe, among the uh, um, other vices that I have. So this is a happy place to be. Uh, I, I don't foresee or I don't really... Um, uh, wish to head anywhere because the role that I uh, oversee uh, gives me the flavor of markets and also the business uh, flavor. So I think when you merge the two together, that's the perfect way to be chronologically.
0: Uh, I forgot to mention one thing to my listeners that after going through MAM's uh, various videos and articles, there's one thing also which I should mention uh, when I'm talking about her is that she's a diehard Bollywood fan and a foodie also. So I think we're going to have a lot of analogies related to uh, them when we are, you know, going about explaining fixed income markets.
2: No, no, Jami, don't build too much of hopes because uh, last 10 months, Bollywood has gone into hibernation because of COVID and you know that uh, yeah. eating out has literally come to a standstill. Right. So I have become a compulsive because I need to cater to my palate so I don't have too much of a choice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right.
1: Okay, that, that's great. And with that, we come to the end of the second segment.
0: moving on to the third segment of this podcast which is markets ki kahani speaker ki zubani as the name suggests in this segment we'll be discussing and talking with the speaker about the current market scenario and indulge ourselves in a conversation which will focus on explaining the episode name
1: this third segment uh, as we said the episode name is how to play the fixed income wave i would like to i would like you to tell our listeners that how could one enter the fixed income markets and what are the various instruments at our hand? Uh,
2: Firstly, Darshan, I would like to tell the viewers that uh, India by its nature is a fixed income mindset in nature, given that we have so much of money lying in uh, a traditional mode of investments, including uh, banking products. Uh, The mind is quite attuned towards uh, doing uh, fixed income instruments. Uh, The only uh, disconnect is that when investors look at fixed income mutual funds, they try to extrapolate the same logic and assume that because it's fixed income mutual funds, it assures returns. Um, What is very important to note is that fixed income market allows you to participate in the market potential. So therefore that leaves open space for upside with reasonable downside protection depending on what kind of strategy to choose. So, I think when you are looking at, uh, uh, you know, if I, if I give you a, a cricket analogy, you need to be, if you are an all-rounder, you can do, uh, you know, reasonably test uh, batting, of course, but you are equally good at bowling. Uh, Or if I give you a food example, it's, uh, you know, uh, I I don't know at point in time people are either eating or people would have finished eating, but uh, you know, to suit the palate, you need to have uh, the entire spread, including the proteins and the carbs and the fats and the vitamins. So I think fixed income therefore assumes a very, very integral part of one's own portfolio uh, where you are owning financial assets. So therefore, if you want stability in your portfolio, I think fixed income is clearly the way to go.
0: Uh, That's correct, ma'am. And since you talked about the upside as well as the downsides that one needs to keep in mind, as a retail investor, once I enter into fixed markets, what are the possible risk parameters that I have to keep in mind uh, as an amateur uh, retail investor entering? So the
2: big three risks which investors need to keep in mind when they are allocating money to fixed income is interest rate risk, liquidity risk and credit risk. When you are doing investments through mutual funds to a very large extent, liquidity risk is taken care of, especially if you are investing in open-ended fixed income products. Closed-ended, of course, you will have the same liquidity challenge. But interest rate risk and credit risk are two sides of a coin which have to be inevitably lived through the course of your investments. There are ways to mitigate it. So for example, if you do not want credit risk at all, you actually have sovereign guilt funds where government of India is the issuer and the underlying portfolio actually has all of those bonds. Likewise, uh, if you say I do not want credit risk, come what may, while there is not zero credit risk, it helps you mitigate uh, you know, credit risk to a large extent uh, with categories like banking and PSU funds. So, I think these are some of the ways where you can reduce the intensity of these risks. As I say, Zorka Jatka Dire se. But to say that I don't want Jatka at all is like saying that I bought a car, but I just don't want a scratch. So, that is inevitable. So, in some degree, it could be a very muted degree, I would say, each of these risks is something which investors should be conscious of.
1: Okay, so when we are talking about risks and the money market uh, specifically, uh, we should not definitely leave out the word scam. So uh, do you have any uh, ideas for the government or measures that the government can take to prevent such scams from taking place in the near future? And protect the investors money
2: you know it is a multi-dimensional process uh, from an investor standpoint from a regulator standpoint from a stakeholder standpoint to try to uh, be ahead of anticipating something remotely close the good news is that uh, systems uh, are more uh, I would say electronic driven in each of the markets, including the fixed income markets. Uh, The lending market is pretty huge. But again, there is a lot of quantitative uh, analysis that can be done based on the data available. But even then, there could be some small uh, things that can erupt. However, we have seen a reasonably good or I would say great metamorphosis in the marketplace in terms of its functioning. So even miscreants, if they were to, you know, play around with the system, that tendency has diminished to a large extent. So I think you have to keep at it. You can't be like the uh, Dar If you remember the movie Three Idiots, uh, you know, he, he could hardly see and he kept saying, all is well, all is well. So you can't be that kind of a dar. You have to be a vigilant dar, especially when it comes to um, uh, the market's index income because it is investing into uh, credits And, of course, investing into sovereign. So, I think eyes, ears, everything wide open is very, very critical to do. So, I think the onus is certainly on multiple stakeholders and there is no point, uh, uh, you know, gravitating towards just one individual or one entity to look out for support.
0: Right. Uh, so, uh, talking about scam and chalky uh, we India has witnessed uh, the recently Franklin Templeton crisis and initially the ILFS crisis. So, you know, having witnessed all these, do you think the chakidars of our country, along with the RBI MPC, do you think are we being vigilant in the times ahead? Are we, you know, staying cautious for you know not to have these kind of crises or scams ahead in the future?
2: Both, uh, when you talk about ILFS and Templeton, they are both unrelated. ILFS was more of a credit event, whereas Franklin Templeton, uh, the event which happened where they had to wind down six of their schemes, was more a liquidity-driven event, and, and that uh, uh, obviously has multiple legs and multiple entities which have to uh, clearly, uh, uh, you know, uh, be vigilant and cautious from all end. And as I said. Uh, the rare view driving when it comes to mutual funds for example, rare view driving is something which investors should not do which means looking at returns in the past and trying to do that in the future. i think mean, these are things which investors should steer uh, you know steer clear of because um, uh, but it has its own associated health hazard so you need to be very careful of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and on that sweet note, I'd just like to ask you that in spite of knowing the potential health hazards of this chashni, uh, we all crave to have this particular sweet, we all, you know, desire to have that taste lingering on our mouths because of the greed that we have of the taste, right? Uh, Comparing it with the markets, uh, of course, the greed is also there, right? Uh, Because uh, investors, amateur investors, even some you know, experienced investors would also have this greed. I, I'd like to uh, take, in pers- take a personal example here and talk about myself that when I started investing, I would rather look at the potential returns that the equity markets were able to generate than look at the safe returns that the fixed markets would generate, right? And this, this greed of mine took me into equity markets more than... The fixed income market so how how is is how is it possible to overcome this greed that we have and uh, what can be done to overcome the same See,
2: a the biggest uh, two biggest emotions which come in the uh, way of wealth creation or financial planning to my mind is actually greed and fear Uh, Who said that if you are a diabetic, you can't have one small piece of chocolate? Instead of having a milk chocolate, have a dark chocolate. Who said if you are on a keto diet, you can't have carbs? Well, you can't have it every day. But once in a while, if you are visiting a friend, etc., I think it's okay. Who said when you are dieting, there is no cheat day? Why I'm giving you all these analogies is to tell you that uh, there will be temptations, no doubt, even when you are making asset allocation. But you should not lose sight of the balance. I think to have that balanced portfolio, like the way you have a balanced meal, is very, very important. I like, uh, for example, but I cannot keep seeing that for morning, evening, afternoon, and night. A, I will lose my job if I do that. And second, is, I will be beaten down to death. So I think everything in moderation. Is absolutely fine. Uh, So even if you are a little bit, uh, you know, I would say absorbed or sucked into greed, try to maintain the balance. I think which is where the role of an advisor comes in very, very handy. I would say that um, in in these kind of market scenarios, uh, the market is actually like a hedge maze. How do you navigate this hedge maze and ensure that you actually find your exit route? Entry is very easy, but exit is something which can be very, very cumbersome.
1: Yes, investors do need to have the right balance, but also as the saying goes, go big or go home. They'll have to, you know, take a certain amount of risk uh, to get better returns over there.
0: Right, right. Uh, Thank you for this segment, ma'am. We'll move on to the fourth segment now.
1: Welcome to the fourth and the last segment of Economically Yours. It's called Economy Me Lag So this is a quickfire round where the co-host will shoot words alternatively to the speaker and he or she will have to reply with the first word or phrase that pops up in the mind. Okay, so I'll start with the first word and you'll have to um, say the first phrase that comes to your mind. Okay, so it's promissory note.
0: Promises to pay. Financial literacy. I have
2: to know where I'm putting my money into. Mm -hmm. Reserves. Bachat. Diversification. Have all of it. It's like a broad-based Gujarati thali or a South Indian thali. That's diversity. Treasury. Treasury is money. Gold. The Midas touch. I think it has magnetic pull across the country and uh, nobody wants to let go of it. Yields. Yields are on the way down and it will continue to remain soft for some more time.
0: Okay. That's that's one note we take away. Uh, Moving on. Bollywood.
2: Always, evergreen, looking forward to watch new movies, but right now restricted to only Netflix and Amazon Prime.
1: The last one, scam.
2: Harshad Mehta, we just saw that right now, isn't it?
0: Great, great. That's a nice roundup, ma'am. Uh, thank you for being on our podcast. We'd just like to conclude with uh, two concluding questions that we ask every guest speaker. Uh, so the first question I'd like to ask you is that, most many of us look up to you in the fixed income segments or in the market segment as a whole. Who do you look up to? Who's your mentor, your guide that you look up to?
2: So, I think uh, you are learning every day uh, from someone or something. So, markets are your best teacher. And uh, for uh, uh, most of us, uh, it's not that you know it all. So, you look back into history, and fortunately, books have been written. So you read all of that. Uh, so 1992, when the scam happened, um, of course, I had read about it. And when you saw the movie Scam, you realized that quite a few of the things, how they really materialize. So you don't have to personally witness or experience everything. But I think reading is um, what physical fitness uh, or gymming is to your physical uh, sense. I think it's very, very important to keep. So I think I get a lot of... Uh, motivation from reading and I get a lot of thought for thought uh, by reading and I I do a lot of uh, financial uh, related stuff, global as well
1: as Indian. Right. Okay. That's great to know. And one last question from my side is that over your 20 year long career at Kotak, I'm sure you must be having a lot of strengths as a human being and also a professional investor. So what was that one particular strength that helped you keep going throughout these years? And help you become the investment officer that you are?
2: So, I think uh, the most, uh, I would say, something which never dies or never died for me was the passion. Uh, you have an aspiration, but you need to keep at it to continuously aspire to reach where you are. And if you don't have passion uh, and do what you are doing, then it just becomes like any other chore. For me, it was never TGIF and oh my God, it's a Monday. For me, it is uh, wow, it's a Monday. And I look forward uh, to my work with the same enthusiasm that I used to do maybe 20 years back when I was a fresher in the market. So I think it is the enthusiasm, it is the uh, passion and the perseverance uh, which actually uh, continues to propel you to do bigger and better things each day. Because uh, I do believe, uh, go big or go home. Uh, I uh, heard uh, Vijay Shekhar Sharma of PTM uh, talk about it first. And uh, I quite loved it. Which why I
0: said when I do up my house, uh, I will actually put this up. That's super. Yeah, super. That's great. Uh, many thanks again, Thank ma'am, for coming over. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye. You. Thank you bye. So much. Yeah. Take care. Take care. Bye.
2: Bye. Yeah, bye.